This podcast is recorded in October 2023. Welcome back to Pods for Docs. I'm your host today, Z, a GP. Today, we are decoding arterial blood gas. Now, you might be thinking, why is a GP teaching me about ABGs? Yeah, in my day-to-day GP role, I don't encounter ABGs as often. But well, I used to work in A&E where ABGs are a regular affair. And what I've learned is this, while ABGs can seem daunting at first glance, with the right methods and breaking them down into steps, you can navigate them through with ease. Today, not only will we be diving deep into the world of arterial blood gas, but we will be discussing some cases and how to get good at decoding arterial blood gas. Before we get into this, I want to highlight our gem title, Decoding Arterial Blood Gas. This gem serves as a brilliant visual aid, and I strongly recommend keeping it handy as you listen to this podcast. It truly complements our discussion and provides a visual journey. You can find it at www.clevable.com gems. An arterial blood gas provides a snapshot of the patient's acid-base status, oxygenation, and ventilation. But before we dig down into interpretation, let's understand the main parameters. pH, reflecting the blood's acidity or alkalinity, the normal range is 7.35 to 7.45. PO2, that's the oxygen partial pressure. The normal range is 10 to 14 kPa. And then we have PCO2, which is the carbon dioxide partial pressure. The normal range is 4.7 to 6 kPa. And we have bicarbonates, which the normal range is 22 to 26 millimoles per liter. And base excess, which is negative 2 to 2. Now, I will be repeating these values throughout the podcast to ensure that you've got this memorized. ABG interpretation is simple when you break it down. So let's break it down into five steps. Step one, is the patient hypoxic? If yes, is the patient having type 1 respiratory failure or type 2 respiratory failure? Type 1 respiratory failure is when you have a patient with low PO2 only. The PCO2 is either normal or low. Type 2 respiratory failure is when you have the patient with a low PO2 and high PCO2. The second step is evaluating the patient's pH. Ask yourself, is the patient acidotic, i.e. a pH of less than 7.35, or alkalotic, where the patient has a pH of more than 7.45? Step three, remember that CO2 raises acid levels. It has an inverse relationship with pH. PCO2 that's high plus acidosis, that means respiratory acidosis. PCO2 that's low plus alkalosis, that means respiratory alkalosis. If nothing fits, just move on to step four. Step four. What is the patient's bicarbonate in relation to the pH? Remember, bicarbonate decreases acid levels. It has a direct relationship with pH. Bicarbonate low plus acidosis means the patient has metabolic acidosis. 
bicarbonate high plus alkalosis. This means the patient has metabolic alkalosis. Step 5. Now we check for compensation. For metabolic disturbances, has the PCO2 shifted? If it's a respiratory issue, has the bicarbonate changed? And that's all five steps. At its core, compensation is the body's attempt to maintain a pH within a viable range, ensuring optimal function of cellular processes and enzymes. There are two major players, the respiratory system and the renal system. Respiratory system is when you have this system that adjusts ventilation to increase or decrease CO2 elimination. It's our rapid responder acting within minutes to hours. And then we have the renal system, which is a lot slower. The renal system involves modifying bicarbonate reabsorption and hydrogen ion secretion. It can take hours to days to have a full effect. Let's walk through some compensatory responses. In metabolic acidosis, remember the pH is low here. The respiratory system increases ventilation to blow off CO2 in attempts to raise pH. In metabolic alkalosis, the pH is high here. There's a decrease in ventilation to retain CO2 in attempts to lower pH. In respiratory acidosis, where the pH is low, kidneys reabsorb much more bicarbonate and secrete much more hydrogen ions in attempts to raise pH. In respiratory alkalosis, where the pH is high, kidneys excrete more bicarbonates and retain the hydrogen ions in attempts to lower pH. Again, remember compensation in our body is an adaptive response trying to maintain pH at a very narrow range. Now let's talk about partial versus complete compensation. Partial compensation means that the body has made efforts to counteract an acid-base disturbance, but it hasn't been successful enough to bring the pH entirely back to the normal range. So you'll find that the pH is still abnormal, but so are the values of PO2 or bicarbonate ions, indicating the body's attempt to compensate. Imagine a patient with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD. If they have an acute exacerbation, their PO2 might rise rapidly, leading to respiratory acidosis. In response, the kidneys will try to retain more bicarbonates to buffer this acidity. However, if this compensatory mechanism is still ongoing and hasn't fully reached its peak, the pH might be below the normal range, indicating acidemia. But the bicarbonate levels will also be rising, signaling the kidney's compensation efforts. This scenario is partial compensation. The body is trying, but pH hasn't quite normalized yet. Now let's talk about complete compensation. When we talk about complete compensation, we mean the body 
through its adaptive mechanism, has managed to bring the pH into a normal range. However, and this is crucial, even though the pH is normal, the values of pCO2 and bicarbonates will be outside their normal ranges. Let's talk about another patient with COPD, but this time think chronic COPD. Over time, their pCO2 may increase due to impaired ventilation, leading to respiratory acidosis. The kidneys sensing this will retain more bicarbonates to buffer the acid. If the kidneys do their job well, the pH might return to the normal range, despite the elevated pCO2. If the pH is normalized through renal compensation, this is called complete compensation. Let's use the analogy of the learner and the steering wheel. Picture this, a car on the open straight road, sun setting ahead, and the journey ahead on the straight road which symbolizes our body's constant quest for balance. Inside the car is a driving instructor and a learner driver. Their dynamic, their interactions can tell us a lot about the concept of compensation in the world of arterial blood gas. So imagine you're the driving instructor and you have a learner driver in your car. Your goal is to keep the car moving straight down the road into the sunset. The steering wheel represents the body's pH, ideally set at 7.4, that's our normal. If the car steers left, that represents a lowering pH, acidosis. If the car steers right, it represents a higher pH, alkalosis. The learner driver in the car symbolizes the body's respiratory system, which controls the level of carbon dioxide in our blood. It's essentially the lung. You, the driving instructor, well, you're the body's metabolic system. You're the kidney. You're the system that manages the levels of bicarbonate in the blood. When the learner driver, the lung, keeps the steering wheel straight, everything is in balance pH is normal. If the learner driver starts turning the wheel too much to the left, symbolizing excess CO2 and an acidic pH, that means uh, respiratory acidosis, you, the driving instructor, the metabolic system, step in. You gently stir the wheel back into the center, representing the increase in bicarbonate levels. This action straightens the car's path and tries to bring pH to a normal value. This is called metabolic compensation. If the wheel is too much to the left, it means that compensation is only partial. If compensation is complete, that means you, the driving instructor, has managed to move the wheel back to the straight path. It is worth noting that both your hands are still on the wheel. Since the learner driver is for some reason trying to turn left, and you, the driving instructor, is trying to turn it back. So let's walk through a couple of scenarios to solidify our understanding. And this can be found on our gems as well. So if you feel like you need a visual aid, please have a look at our decoding ABG gems. Just before we do this, let's memorize the normal values of ABGs again. pH normal value is 7.35 to 7.45. PO2 is 10 to 14. 
PCO2 is 4.7 to 6, bicarbonate is 22 to 26, and base excess is negative 2 to 2. Now, we did not get to touch much on base excess, but generally it follows the bicarbonate level. Base excess provides an indication of metabolic component of an acid-base disturbance. Think of it this way. The base excess and the bicarbonate levels move in tandem because bicarbonate is the primary metabolic buffer in the blood. So if bicarbonate levels are high, the base excess would be high. This represents metabolic alkalosis. If the bicarbonates are low, the base excess will be low. This represents metabolic acidosis. That said, there are situations, especially in complex mixed acid-base disorders, where the base excess and bicarbonates don't align perfectly. But you probably don't need to know this for your exam. In fact, you, you probably can get all your answers correct even without looking at the base excess. In case you have not memorized the values yet, I'll repeat it, write it down on a piece of paper. Uh, try not to forget this. pH. Normal values are 7.35 to 7.45, PO2 is 10 to 14, PCO2 4.7 to 6, bicarbonates 22 to 26, base excess minus 2 to 2. Now that you have memorized our normal ABG values, let's begin. Mr. Jones, a 72-year-old male, presents to A&E. By the way, this is case 1. With shortness of breath confusion, and lethargy. He has a known history of COPD and has been increasingly breathless over the past few days. His oxygen saturations are 88% on room air. Do you suspect COPD exacerbation and decide to do an arterial blood gas to access his respiratory status? ABG results are as follows. pH is 7.28. PO2 is 6.8. PCO2 is 7.5, and bicarbonates are 26, base excess is plus 1. Now, how would you interpret this? If you need time, this is the time where you pause the podcast and think about this. But I'm just going to go through and explain this to you. The PO2 is decreased, indicating hypoxemia, and the PCO2 is high. This is a type 2 respiratory failure. The pH is less than 7.35, indicating acidemia. The pCO2 is elevated, more than 6 kPa, suggesting a respiratory cause for this acidemia. And the bicarbonate is within the normal range. So there is no metabolic compensation yet. Of course, in a couple of days, you might expect one. The diagnosis here is respiratory acidosis with no metabolic compensation, yet this is secondary to COPD exacerbation. Now let's go to case two. Miss Taylor, a 24-year-old female, presents to the emergency department with palpitations, tingling in her extremities, and lightheadedness. She mentions she's been feeling very anxious due to upcoming exams and has been experiencing episodes of rapid breathing. Suspecting a respiratory cause for her symptoms, you order an arterial blood gas. The results, pH 7.48, PO2 is 10.1, PCO2 is 3.9, bicarbonate is 24, 
base excess is minus one. Again, if you feel you need to pause here, please do, and then you can interpret it on your own. But I'm just gonna explain it to you now. The pH is elevated, it's more than 7.45. This is indicating alkalemia. The pCO2 is decreased less than 4.7, suggesting respiratory cause of the alkalemia. The bicarbonate is within the normal range, indicating that there has not been significant metabolic compensation yet. So this, if you bring it all together, the diagnosis here is acute respiratory alkalosis, likely secondary to hyperventilation associated with anxiety. Now let's move on to case 3. Mr. Smith, a 24-year-old male, presents to the emergency department with a three-day history of polyuria, polydipsia, and significant fatigue. He mentions recent unplanned weight loss and episodes of blurred vision. On examination, you notice a fruity odor on his breath. Concerned about metabolic disturbances, you order an arterial blood gas and a glucose measurement, of course, right? So ABG results show the following. pH 7.28, PO2 10.7, PCO2 3.5, bicarbonate 16, base excess minus 10. Additional labs show a blood glucose of 25. This is the random blood glucose, by the way. And a urine dipstick is positive for ketones. Now, again, you can pause here if you want. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and interpret this for you. The pH is decreased, indicating acidemia. The bicarbonate is low, suggesting primary metabolic acidosis. The reduced pCO2, reflecting the rapid breathing or Kussmaul respirations, indicates respiratory compensation in response to the metabolic acidosis. So the diagnosis here is diabetic ketoacidosis presenting as metabolic acidosis with partial respiratory compensation. The high blood glucose and the presence of ketones in the urine further supports the diagnosis of DKA. Case 4. Mrs. Carter, a 72-year-old female, presents to the clinic with weakness, muscle cramps, and frequent episodes of vomiting for the past week. She has a history of hypertension and is on a tyrosine diuretic. Due to her symptoms and recent history, you suspect an electrolyte or metabolic disturbance and decide to order an arterial blood gas. The pH is 7.48, PO2 is 10.7, PCO2 is 6.2, and bicarbonate is 32, base access is plus 6. Now, to interpret this, we have to go again to our steps. The pH is elevated, 7.45, indicating alkalemia. The bicarbonate is also elevated, suggesting a primary metabolic alkalosis. The slightly increased PCO2 shows a respiratory compensation in which there is a decrease in respiratory rate to retain CO2, a form of acid, to counterbalance the alkalemia. And that's the end of our cases, of course. But we have a lot more cases on the decoding arterial blood gas jam for you to practice on. ABGs, while initially intimidating, become much more straightforward with a lot of practice. It's like any skill. The more you practice, the better you get. Always correlate this with clinical contact. Sometimes there's more than one disturbance which can result in a mixed disorder. 
This is something we're not going to cover today, though. All right, that's a wrap on today's exploration of ABGs. And don't forget to check out Gemma. It's an invaluable tool that complements this discussion and this podcast. As always, keep practicing, keep learning, and we'll see you next time.